Hello and welcome to the Stolen Conversations podcast. This is Karan and this is me, Ayaz. Today's conversation was really fun. We started by talking about the need for risk taking and innovation and how that is possibly being curtailed in today's society. Yeah, and then we ended up with what is justice and the ideas of life and death. And it was a very interesting conversation and you will hear us just not speak for moments where we just didn't have anything to say because we were grappling with ideas of that gravity but i'm sure you will enjoy this conversations to stick through thank you so much for joining us boom boom and we live so ayaz i have something that i want to talk to you about and i have strategically and very with a great amount of difficulty kept it from you so that we can yeah. talk talk about it on the podcast for the first time i feel like we and this is one of those things where i'm like making conclusions about how we run our society and my criticisms about it so take it with a lots of bag salt. of a, what, yeah. what was that a jar of salt <laughs> take it to the jar of salt which is by ajinkya's podcast. podcast i'd forget what the name of the podcast is i feel like by asking a kid ever since they are a kid, you know you remember this what do you want what do you want to become when you grow up yeah what do you want to do when you grow up and those questions never end and that and i used to answer taxi driver because i love <laughs> the idea of driving cars <laughs> that was my childhood <laughs> dream to be a taxi driver i don't remember if i had a common answer let me think <laughs> i probably gave like a very generic what do you, what people prob You know, kids definitely figure it out. What do grown-ups want, want to, hear? to hear? Yeah, they want to hear astronaut. They want to hear engineer. Doctor. So there has to be a reason most kids say astronaut engineer, right? Mm. Kids inherently, I don't think, have a bias towards being astronauts or engineers when they don't even know what engineering is. Yeah, that's why I wanted to be a taxi driver. Yeah, exactly. Which I is was perfect. true to myself. Anyway, but you ask kids these questions, and I'm not saying. I'm sure you're going to argue for you know why we need to ask those questions and the need for that guidance. But I'm not saying we don't need that. It's just my criticism of that is by asking those questions and those questions never stop. What do you want to grow? What do you want to grow up? Oh, what are you doing now? Oh, now that you've grown up and you, what do you want to do? What are your plans? So there's always a question about what you want to do, and I feel like in that question, inherent in that question. there is a constraint that you can only choose from the paths that we've already defined yes because the question is the nature of the question it does not allow you to say i don't know and the minute someone says i don't know or i don't know we judge them for not having it figured out yeah so immediately when and i have done this i like if i've asked people what are you doing or you know i've judged people because they don't know what you're what they're doing or they don't have a clear idea of what they're going to do or they don't have an answer immediate answer when i ask them what do you want to do with this i have i have judged people like that hey this guy is stupid yeah. but i feel like it's conditioned in us or society not with a malicious intent but just the way things are that question does not allow people to even think of an option outside of what has already been defined yes by asking those questions repeatedly you feel like oh yeah i can only do the things that are already defined for me i cannot venture outside of what has already been defined and as a kid the possibilities that you can even know of is highly dependent on highly dependent on the conversations you hear your family have yeah 
because as a six-year-old, you don't really know the world yet. Your world is your family, right? And what they tell you about it, yeah, and what exactly. you see them doing. Like my father is a mechanic. Like my father is a scientist, and that's so sad because how many geniuses are being like not like how many geniuses are being curtailed because they're trying to find. something that they have like some a predefined path and then they beat themselves been like they, they they feel like they're doing something they feel they are under an obligation to do right and maybe they are having mental problems or mental health issues because they don't have the answer to you know what do you want to do with this mm-hmm. what are you going to do and in no the way i have set it up it sounds like i'm bragging but i don't mean to say i am one of those not at all but like when people ask me what do you want to do your, with your phd i don't have an answer yeah and I, i do not want to be an academic i do not want to be an academic i don't like people who do phd's i don't like people who've gotten their phd's apart from like barring a few yeah actually barring a lot but those are exactly. a very select few once i get so i don't know what i'm going to do with it and i feel like that's okay Yes, I think you're right. This this reminds me something. Uh, what's that mathematical YouTube channel that you really like? Three blue one brown. Three blue one brown. Yeah. So that guy on Lex Friedman's podcast, he tells him something his grandmother used to tell him growing up. It was like my grandmom always told me, try something, and if that doesn't work, try something else. And that was all the advice. And I really yeah. like that. and i think if you if you develop certain skills and a certain discipline of doing things then i'm sure you will figure it out when the time comes because right now the future is something that is extremely blurry and you don't know where life is going to take you which is why it is very hard to make decisions but when you come at a point where you have to make decisions you will have a set number of paths yeah you don't always have an infinity of possibilities in front of you because you're not always planning Five years ahead of you, because right now your future, what is after PhD, is three years from now. Three years from today, two what years. is after? Yeah, two years. Two years from today, what is after your PhD is going to be one month from now, and then the possibilities are narrowed down. Even if those possibilities are a lot, but you still have some idea of okay, these are the seven paths I can choose from. Which one should I pick? And and yeah, yeah, I I get it, right? Like not having a plan, plan and. you know not trying to fit your fit your answer within what society that can also go to an extent where you don't know what you're doing and you're just doing the things for the sake of like yeah. it has a negative aspect to it but i feel like what i realized was it was only a me not knowing what to do with my phd was only a problem when people wanted an answer yeah of that for that question yeah i feel like i need to think about it i still need to think about what i'm going to do after my phd what I what I'm going to do after you know this is done, but I I need to think I have to think about it and I should think about it only when internally I ask myself that question when I'm making up a question or I feel the need to make up a question because someone else has asked me a question about my future and I feel like I have to answer it because otherwise I'm going to look like a fool. Yeah, that's where the problem is. Like those True. those questions internally are okay. It's only when those questions come externally when it becomes a problem. You know because. 
well internally you have to ask those questions you have to yeah yeah so what do you do with it right if you if you start telling your internal doubter if your internal monologue is oh you don't need to know anything exactly yeah that's where, where that's where it? it goes negative yeah you can't uh, you can't silence your internal doubter yeah that's he's your biggest well wisher i think your internal doubter is your engine right right yeah. engine yeah it is what drives you right if you're confident that you've you've arrived and you've done it <laughs> yeah what drives you Yeah, I've just been thinking about this a lot for the past two days, and uh, so I don't I don't know where to go from here. But because there's so many things I want to talk to you about, and this this is the root of it. This is the emotional part of it. And then there's been other things that I've thought about and I've heard. So I heard the Lex Friedman and Eric Weinstein's podcast. Eric Weinstein on Lex Fried Lex Friedman's yeah, podcast. Let's go there. So they they start talking about they have this disagreement about the the potential in universities hmm. and uh, Lex Friedman's argument is and let's let's start with Eric Weinstein's argument. What Eric Weinstein says is that there used to be a playground in America where people who wanted to find new orchards or find new avenues, find new things to do, they had a playground and they had the opportunity to play. and if they failed they failed and you don't know about most of the failures you only know about the people who win so without glamorizing the players in the mm. playground there was a playground that people could play in and according to him with the recent critical theory and his criticism of the postmodernism philosophies and ideologies which he according to him has seeped into our culture deep enough that it has affected the universities is it ha- it is affecting our material life in a very real way according to him he says because of that the universities have become dull we we are focusing more on safety and uh, equality but you don't get creation without destruction in those playgrounds yeah and according to him because of these critical race theories because of these postmodern ideologies universities have become very like they've lost the playground Do you want to say something or other? I think destruction is a bad word. A better word is risk taking. There's no creation. Yeah. 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 Pro- right. Progress without risk taking. And risk taking inherently. Is yeah, it leads to destruction. But leads yeah. to yeah. Uh, it's not safety and yeah. quality. Exactly. And he says that those playgrounds are diminishing. We don't have those playgrounds anymore. And what Lex Friedman was, the disagreement was Lex Friedman's point was. Oh yeah there are you know useless administrators in universities there are useless politics there's stupid meetings there's stupid uh, training for diversity but he says in MIT he's not a part of MIT anymore but i feel like he still goes there for whatever reason for like guest lectures mm-hmm. like guest lectures or whatever he see, he says there are still people in the university who are not affected by those administer like those those useless meetings or whatever they still have the playground within their eyes mm. and as long as you have one person who's truly doing what he wants to do no matter how stupid that is or no matter how how much potential it has your point that the playground is being is vanished is not true because the playground is within individuals mm. and as long as those individuals have the playground have have the risk aversion or whatever the risk taking gene within them it'll stay okay. and those external 
meetings external factors are is not it's not going to affect these 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 individuals because i still see these individuals in at mit because that's the university that he works in i see those people still working at the things that they're interested in he says i am one of those people who want to uh, work you know at seeing a robot in everybody's house or see i i'm working towards one of my passions without being affected when i was in mit i wasn't affected by you know the administrators and the diversity meetings his point was it's not as dull, dull and gloom as eric weinstein is proposing it is mm. and eric weinstein retorted by he was like yeah those people exist but then they are diminishing every day and then even if they come out they have very little chance because look at elon musk and how much shit he gets why is elon musk not being celebrated by universities mm. like he should be the guy who's like universities should be like yeah this is even though he not he's not one of us because he's not like not an academic why aren't the universities why aren't the, why isn't the academic world celebrating elon musk because that is what you want to do that is you want to innovate you want to have an impact on society by your innovations you want to do things that really matter in the world just because he's not one of you you're not celebrating him and because there's this aspect of jealousy you we want to do that but we could cannot yeah. and he did it so to keep this in mind and for the past one week i was i've been thinking about you know the potential for writing a proposal and i've thought about like i know that this is something that people can do but i have been seriously thinking about it for the last week and a proposal by the way is a proposal to start a research project you write a proposal to anybody who's giving you money and that could be nsf that could be the department of engineer uh, energy that could be the national science Basically, foundation anyone who gives out it could be ias palegar if he has a lot yeah. of money for research right it could be anybody who's giving you money to do research and the proposal is to write a proposal that says this is my idea literally you're telling you're asking people for money that's yeah. truly what you're doing yeah. this is my idea will you give me money for that and air uh, my uh, advisor was talking to me about you know how i should think about writing a proposal and i've been think i've been thinking about that and it's been it's it has been very exciting to me because even without worrying about if my proposal gets accepted or not just the idea that i can bring up an idea give it material form in writing and ask people for money for that idea is in itself a extremely new idea, yeah something. it's so interesting i i don't even care if i get accepted or not or the proposal gets accepted or not which will probably won't right because who gets accepted when they first write a proposal but the point is and maybe i will care about that when i have written two yeah. proposals already but right now just the fact that i want to do something like everybody wants to do things i can give that material reality by putting that on paper i can send that to somebody and there's and a real there is a non zero potential of them saying yes i'll give you money for what you want to do yeah this has been so exciting to me and now the fact that oh i just have to think of a new idea and write that into a proposal okay that's that, that's work i have to write something that i want to do and that that will be counted as work yeah so it has been exciting me for the past one week and i've been thinking i've been procrastinating thinking about it because it's so exciting i don't want to overwhelm myself by you know mm. you know what i mean like yeah. you when you really when you're really excited about something you try to procrastinate that as well a little, little bit at least i do 
when there's a really good podcast i won't listen to it immediately i'll you be like to save i want to save it for the right moment right when i can listen to the podcast with paul stamets on joe rogan right that's one of them so i've been you know procrastinating but it's been on my mind to think about things that i can ask money for yeah and there's again i'm repeating the words because i heard this somewhere and it was interesting i liked it as a non zero potential for them to give me money to work on an idea that i want to work on so all of this excitement and then eric this con- i listened to this conversation with eric weinstein and lex friedman and then even though i feel like eric lex friedman what he's saying i want that to be true i don't want the real world to be as dull and gloom that the excitement that i have does not really mean anything in the larger perspective if what eric weinstein is saying if what eric weinstein is saying is true then my excitement and my proposal even if it gets accepted even if i work on it for 5 years i become like an academic that i don't want to become but i you know i get like five proposals accepted yeah. i do a lot but then that's going to be for nothing even my propose those though my proposals are a very uh, are a false they're a false why though in, because if what he's saying is true then these 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 academic groups are just playing games and then i'll just be playing one of those games you don't have even if it is true that these academic institutions are playing games it it doesn't necessarily mean that you are playing one of those games you're pursuing what you want to pursue the reason why they give you the money or accept your proposal is kind of irrelevant because your intention is genuine and that is all that matters if you get lucky and let's say they are playing a game and it's it just so happens that your excitement and the thing that you want to work on meets their agenda of politics or what the, it is the thing they want to spend money on as well it's just your good luck that i that's how i would see i would i don't think there's anything negative in that no i get what you're saying but i feel like even if these proposals are being accepted the fact that i don't see what eric weinstein is saying i feel like then it's this i i do i don't know how to put it into words but i feel like i'm stuck in this hamster role that people like eric weinstein can see is a hamster role but i think it's a flat plane i think the hamster role definitely exists and i think you know that intuitively too when you say that you don't like pe people who do phd yeah so those are the people that eric weinstein is talking about but when lex friedman says that yes that is certainly true but there are people who still have that spark in the eyes those are the phd holders that you say are an exception and who i think you're going to be a part of i don't think because yeah it is my opinion from the outside watching you do your research and what it means to you and your approach to it i would put you in that bracket of exceptions that is my personal opinion you don't have to believe i don't it. like i yeah, don't like you, this i know you won't like but it yeah, but yeah. yeah but yeah this listening to this conversation was connected to what i was thinking but it was heartbreaking at the same time true and if i were to weigh on one side i would say what eric weinstein is saying is more true because you still need that playground sure what lex is saying is true that there will always be the exceptions but then that is the case that even from a really bad institution three people are nobel prize 
Nobel winners. So you cannot question the system. But the system and the institution is bad. Just so it just so happened that those three were exceptions. Right. You want to inculcate risk taking so that instead of three, you have ten people who are vying for that prize. Then you at least want that environment to be there so that it's not just the ones who are outliers who are succeeding and taking risks. It's more people through the middle as well. Can I can I repeat? I know you're going to re- listen to that podcast, but can I repeat a story that is yeah, sure. in the podcast? Yeah, I don't mind. So Eric Weinstein does such a good job of storytelling. Like he's good at so many things. Yeah. He's not only intelligent; he's also a good storyteller. But he's he goes. He was living in New York when he had a piano, and this piano is very old, and he had to retune it every. I think you, apparently you also tune pianos like you tune guitars. So yeah. he had to tune that piano like every once in a while, and the only. Pe- Tune, uh, piano tuner he knew was this old Russian guy that that had something in him that was like ah you fucking idiot like you know like the, he he hated the world around him was, I don't know how Eric Weinstein puts it but he was always there was something about him that Eric Weinstein did not like because he always came off as you know like you peasants yeah right and he said but I did not have an option so I used to call him and you know just he used to tune my piano and go away. So one of these days, I called him to my apartment. He came. He started tuning my piano, and my phone had a ringtone, which was a classical music, like the Pagiani number twenty-four, mm. which I don't know about, but it's like a famous classical mm. rhyme or song. Yeah. <laughs> We don't even know the right word. Tune, tune, whatever. And that starts playing. And then he says, once it starts playing, this tuner goes into this rant about how this is wrong, and he plays like. Five different variations of that symphony. Symphony is the word. He plays five different variations of that symphony, and then tells Eric Weinstein about the composer and all of this theoretical knowledge, along with like so much. Like he, Eric Weinstein is just stunned. He's like, "Dude, I did not know you were such a good piano player, and you are such you know really good at it." And then he says, "As soon as the my ringtone, my my the the ringtone starts stops playing, in a very Russian accent, he goes." Which he says in that Russian accent, it hurts so bad, and I wish I could do a better Russian accent. But he goes, "Oh no, you are the piano player. I'm just the piano tuner, <laughs> or something like that." But Eric Weinstein comes back to the point that this genius of a man who's such a good piano player yeah. is a piano tuner. There's really good Russian doctors who are now technicians in America, yeah. and this is a real thing. And he says this is because. Of the lack of a playground. This is because these geniuses, these people, don't have an outlet where they can, you know, do things, mm. and they end up becoming piano tuners like this Russian guy. Wow, it is so sad. You could write a novel about that man, a genius who is now a, just a piano tuner. Piano tuner. He goes around. Detesting the world around yeah. him because he's so much better at. He's probably better better than every piano player in this house that he goes to. Yeah, which is why he's like you know. Yeah. And then you kind of understand why he detests the world so much. Yeah, on some level. Have you have you read a book called Maximum City? No. No. I no. I'm just asking you because Eric Weinstein mentioned that book and it's about Bombay. So Maximum the book, City. The book is about. The city of Bombay, and it's called Maximum City. Hmm. What does he say about the book? 
so he's talking about a part in the book where the writer writer is talking to somebody in the underworld mm. uh, contract killers people who kill for money and the author is talking to the contract killer and he's you know just whatever out of in the conversation the contract killer goes you know what's funny everybody i kill their last words are most of them their last words are don't kill me i have a kid at home don't kill me i have two kids at home and he's like why the hell would you say that most contract killers don't have a good relationship with their parents <laughs> but his point was you could never imagine that saying i have kids at home don't kill me would have a negative would have a minus effect on someone negative effect on someone you could never imagine that that is going to negatively affect somebody yeah right so you don't know how people are wired lex he's talking to lex you don't know how people are wired lex and you can never imagine how fucked up some people's wiring is yeah yeah you know how lex is all about love and there's love within everybody here and eric weinstein this is very this is very tells a story that i try very hard not to believe what you believe Wow. But it sounds cold-hearted, but the the important words mean I try very hard. That means it's a struggle even for him, even yeah. though he's trying to come off as cynical, trying not trying, but it's a struggle for him to not believe that. And Eric Weinstein is an older guy. Mm-hmm. He has met more people. Lex Friedman is a younger guy, yeah. which is why we probably agree to what like you know we feel, you know. You and I, we've talked about you know how he talks about love and it's so encouraging and I really like that part of him. You know where he's so hopeful and optimistic about yeah. things. And maybe we just haven't met those people that you cannot reach. You're trying to reach them. You're trying to talk to them, but they're just wired in a way that. Yeah. In I think in one of Voltaire's books, there's a line that just goes, "I'm cynical because I've lived." I still, like that but I don't want to be that. Yeah. I don't I don't even like it. I I hate it because I feel like there's some truth to it. Yeah. But I if you still ask me if if you ask me like an hour from now I would have forgotten the little truth there in that statement and I'll be more again more optimistic and again more full of love and again more you know people are nice and maybe that's the way to live. I I <clears throat> it's I wouldn't say it's easy to do but I think it is a better better way of living. It's a better life. A really hard tangent, but this is based on uh the idiot. Yeah. Dostoevsky is the idiot. What is your opinion on capital punishment? What is capital punishment? Capital punishment is basically the state giving a punishment in which you will be killed, hanging or guillotine or oh, death, death, row, yeah. death, uh, death row, death row, death row. Yeah. I I don't. Let's think about this because I don't have a direct answer. Hmm. Should people be killed because for a crime that they've committed? My initial reaction is no. Hmm. So there should not be capital punishment. and i i feel like i'm going to stick with that answer but let's what if that, that person has killed someone else here's the thing man 
and this is this I haven't I haven't gone through this, but let's so I I'm not in no position to you know have a respectable or yeah, nobody should take me in. But let's say somebody I care about has been killed, right? Mm. Because who decides to give the killer the punishment to be killed, or who has the power to let them go? It's the people who care about the person who's been killed, right? And I want to believe that in that position, I will choose to let the killer go. Mm. So, yeah. In so I've what always thought that. Capital punishment intuitively has already made sense to me for whatever reason. It when has made it sense. It has made sense to me. Mm-hmm. Like okay, you kill someone and then as a punishment, this you are hanged or whatever. So that's your punishment because you killed someone and it just. I have more opinions on this actually now that you talk yeah, about. Yeah, but it made sense to me. But in in the book, Dostoevsky argues that, I mean his character. So I don't know if that is Dostoevsky's opinion, but one of the characters argues that when you put someone to guillotine. There is this certainty that he's going to die. There is a certainty that maybe it is after ten days or ten years or ten hours, my death is imminent. I know I will not come out of this alive. And what gives you the right to pass that verdict? Because let's say he killed someone else. Yeah. When he was killing someone else, there was still the possibility of that other person surviving. If you are a soldier in the middle of the battleground facing a cannon. There is still a possibility that you will survive through some miracle, and you will still have some hope left in you in that moment. Yeah. But if you are being killed by the state, yeah. that hope doesn't exist. You've killed that hope in a human, and what right do you have to kill that hope? Because you word the you use the word guillotine, it's more impactful because. My visuals are guillotine, and that is what he's describing, right, in yeah. the book. That it's a guillotine in the moment right before the knife or whatever that is that hits your neck. What is that moment of terror? What does a soul feel in that moment when it knows it will no longer be something along these lines? I'm sure I'm butchering his writing. But yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel bad for, or I don't. I don't know the state of mind of the person who does that for a job. The git, the the guy who does the guillotine, yeah. the executioner. Like that's difficult to imagine. Like Harry Potter actually explored this a little bit. Okay. They follow the story briefly for an execution for two. Like they follow the story of the executioner. Or I think it was Hagrid who does. But they give it some light. I I know they I did I remember they talk about it. Do you remember extent. what? No, no, no. Nothing. But yeah, if you go, if you let's go back to it. My problem with it has been now that I'm thinking about it. So this is more, you know, more of an afterthought. There was something that happened, which so you know we've decided is criminal, and we don't. And we've all that has happened is within the bounds of our conscious mind. Like these are the rules. Mm. This is what you're supposed to follow. These are relationships. This person broke the bounds of this relationship. This person did something that is illegal to do. Mm. All of this. Yeah. This person killed that other person, right? I and that has all happened within the material world. Within the world that we understand consciously, yeah. the only two people who 
who have any right in the hole that they've punctured from the material one person has escaped it because he's dead he's dead and the other person has a person has put him in that state because he is the one who killed him they are the only two people have who have that connection outside of the conscious material world and the judge or whoever is making that decision is is making those decisions within the bounds of the material world so he doesn't really know what he's doing. he doesn't really know what he's doing he's going to kill someone and he's going to be a killer now like who's the who who's now these are now we go into beliefs right yeah. so i don't know if this is true or not but i think we've talked about this like the justice the natural justice like don't steal because you don't steal mm. right and i feel like if the killer we can give we should definitely lock him up and let him face the justice or face the repercussions that he he will suffer because he's killed someone nobody gets away with it we go along with that and not try to interfere and make the make another killer out of among one of us yeah right okay. i don't i just what do you think is wrong about what i'm thinking i don't know if I, what i'm saying absolutely makes sense but i have generally been against my initial reaction is i don't like capital punishment mm. my initial reaction on this has been it's not that i like capital punishment right, like, yeah, no, like, but i never thought of it as immoral so that has that perspective has been new to me and by new i mean whatever 5 6 years ago i read for the first time that capital punishment is immoral like, makes me think what? about kasab again i think i've told you about that interview with kasab like multiple times yeah. and i feel like a lot of my opinions were built in that moment when i saw that interview with kasab so if i had the feeling of not letting kasab die i feel like how many more people are more deserving of a capital punishment than kasab mm. he killed like just random innocent random people. innocent kids old people young people police officers doesn't matter he killed randomly so i don't know how many people and i don't even know if there's a measurement scale where someone is more of a criminal than someone else like i don't know if two murders are more like worse than a murder yeah you know i feel like there's no there's no scale to it it's you've killed it's someone murder. or you haven't you violated something that is sacred and in that moment i was i true i if it was up to me i would not have killed kasab or i i would not have given him the capital punishment but who am i right but i feel like that's also something that i think about now that you ask me about capital punishment because he was a 19 year old guy who just was born in the wrong time and wrong place and in the wrong family and you don't know how messed up people's wiring can be yeah yeah exactly so the the decision is do we just say oh too bad you were born in the wrong place and time and we are going to kill you because we want to set an example or do we just put you in a prison and let you be there because i feel what is the argument against just putting them in a prison is that just space so does it come down to we don't have enough space for you which is why we are killing you i think the argument is it's not harsh enough a punishment i guess now dude isn't the real reason now that i'm thinking about it that we don't have enough space for you 
that we can keep you locked up maybe i don't know i'm not sure but i feel like that's what it is maybe if you could keep people locked up forever and you had unlimited think of a fourth dimension you could put kasab in the fourth dimension and let him be there and he wouldn't come back to this world again you know you don't have to kill him but he won't do anything like he won't do anything bad again you don't have to, he'll suffer in you know he'll be in this prison all his life what do you think is the worst punishment to be locked away forever or to be 100% killed? to be locked away forever. from what i know to be locked away forever yeah i would i don't know what it is like to be dead yeah. so have you watched i'm sure you have the shawshank redemption i don't remember the movie yeah but in that there's this one guy who gets a really long sentence so he has been in the prison for let's say decades and he gets to the point where he's now a librarian in the prison and the prison is the society where he knows how to function and then eventually after decades he gets released and now he can go out in the society what does a man like that do out in the society and then he goes and kills himself himself yeah and morgan free wow. freeman says something along the lines of he had been institutionalized he cannot imagine a life outside of the society something along these lines outside the society of a prison that had become his reality yeah like living in that prison yes that's his society think about it i've read about people who get released after being in prison for 40 years imagine someone going in the prison in 1980 and he comes out today how does he recognize the world he's walked out into what do you do do you do like you you can't start working at a mcdonald's after coming out of prison for 40 years 40 years for we haven't lived for 40 years we've lived half of 40 years it's crazy yeah what do you No. This is where we ask the same question over and over and have no answers. Yeah, exactly. You just keep repeating. That's all you can do. Yeah. This is a problem a similar problem a lot of This feels like face. a glitch in what we don't like this feels like punish capital punishment feels like a glitch of our incapability to handle yeah our life. We don't know so we kill someone isn't that what it true? we don't yes. know how to we don't know how to solve you so how we are going to solve to you, you so we are going to kill you yeah. it's a glitch we, it's our incapability which is why we are killing one of us yeah. a lot of soldiers have a similar the institutionalized kind of a problem after they come back from war because they may not be institutionalized but what they face every single day is so real like it is so close to life and death and their every action has so much meaning that they come out of military and they feel like what is this life what are these trivial things that i'm supposed to worry about and they just can't handle it yeah man i mean i don't know i I am at a blank spot. Like I don't know how to think beyond that. Yeah. What? I. 
these are again we are going back to you know things that we don't truly understand like why do people are people inherently good that is what i think which you don't agree with right i feel like people are no i do think people our, are our values are or your ethics come from okay. within you and all of that so if so the right answer would be if we could do it is if someone commits a crime you do something what we don't know and now they are not criminals anymore but the problem with that is not all crimes are equal right when when a when a when a wife kills her husband who's been domestically harassing her for the past 5 years is not the same as me killing you right now true so it's so i i don't i don't know how to put it into words but i keep coming back to it's just our incapability to handle people and it's so sad when you think about it it is freedom fighters had got death penalty so like even the capital punishment who's the capital like who's the who's the people making those who's decisions defining that morality based on which you're giving based, the capital yeah. punishment like yeah. though like the freedom fighters got capital punishment and according to the rules they were criminals yeah and it could also be that so when someone has a mental illness you don't give them capital punishment you send them to rehab and i think you've made this argument that maybe the people who murder criminals have a form of mental illness that we just don't know of sam harris made that yeah. and maybe that is the case which is a good argument against capital punishment that no don't 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 take away the potential of them being that problem being solved in the future right if you think like if you let's go back to the kasab example but let's say you know whoever made the like whoever was responsible to make that decision should we kill like does kasab get the capital punishment or not whoever was responsible for the decision take away all the political pressures from them because that is that definitely interferes with their decision right but let's take it away mm. what if you truly give them a vr experience of kasab's life mm. like a quick 15 minutes of this is what kasab's life was like because in the virtual world you can control time right you give kas- them kasab's experience since he was born what he's been through how he got into terrorism how he met those people how those people brainwashed him all of that and now you have this 19 year old kid in front of you and you, what do you do you kill him and you are the person making that decision do you want to be responsible to kill a 19 year old yeah no so it's just a lack of it's what sucks about it is one maybe it we're killing people because we don't have enough space to lock them up forever two there's political pressures that go into you know these decisions especially high profile decisions yeah totally and three the people who are make, making those decisions now this is super voodoo we don't know what they're putting themselves into <laughs> yeah because you've made the decision to you take someone's yeah. life how does that change you and what how does that change you what what does that do to you what does that do to you man on whatever level i never i'd never want to be in a position to make that decision because i will let them go and if that person let's say go and kill someone else now now what do i do in what that do case do, yeah. <laughs> you alluded to something 
that's interesting to me the external pressures that people tend to put on high high profile cases right and i've argued against doing that a lot of the times with some friends and the argument on against what of putting that pressure on this person has to be punished or this person this case needs to be expedited oh, or the public put, yeah, 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 yeah okay maybe public opinion yeah, yeah. and i've argued against that and uh, what they tend to believe and it is a noble belief they're coming from a good place that why is it wrong if it is a, if if it is a case that a lo- everyone in the country cares about how is it wrong for the case to then get a special treatment in high court because everyone in the country cares about this case and i'm like yes but then the second and third order consequences of that are just insane because then you media can whip up a storm and then you'll care about the cases that media wants to care wants you to care about and then you're putting the the structure of justice i i, I can't come up come with a better word the court at the mercy of the pandemonium in the country and Dude, this so, yeah this is so interesting so this actually plays out in the dynamics of the court mm-hmm. so ajinkya was telling me the story where he met uh, a lawyer and he was telling him about this i i think i've told you about this story but there was a rape in india like some time ago and the lawyer who was fighting for the rapist right he said something in public where he said something like women should know how to dress up women are like flowers they should keep themselves in the mm. kitchen something absolutely absurd. stupid and absurd and something that you would be like dude you're a lawyer how could you say that how could you say that here's the thing the lawyer isn't stupid the lawyer probably does not believe in what he said the thing is because that rape had become such a big media thing in in the country there was a very real bias in the public against the rapist and the lawyer took it upon himself to odd things out and he knew that by saying what he said even though you and i disagree with it there is some portion of the population which is big enough that will agree to what he is saying okay so he's playing a game that we don't even know exists he's at a different level he's not he's given up his own image in public to keep the balance in court Do you, does it make sense yeah. because it took me a second to understand what he was saying but because there was a bias in society he had to say something that that would get another part of society for the rapist just so that it is somewhat balanced now the argument would be and i'm making that argument to you why do you why do you have to balance things out because rape is clearly bad why do you have to get people on the side of the rapist because how is that even possible? if i'm fighting for the rapist i want to make this is what so by the way ajinkya and alpesh are studying law so they are deep into this and they get to because of you know the people that they know they get to talk to really big lawyers in the country so the 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 what they have taught what the good lawyers how they think about justice is if i am fight if i am fighting for a rapist like i am the lawyer to a rapist i want even if i hate rapes even if i want the rapist to die the most horrible death if i want if i want to want him to be punished 
it is my duty to put forward the best argument for the rapist so that when he is punished there is no doubt left that he was he was he deserved what he got because he got the best defense humanly possible and right. still got punished and okay. and the way the the like the justice system it works is lawyers have to believe this because the moment you decide for yourself then you don't need the judge when yeah. lawyers start making decisions about why do i say why do i try to keep a balance when i obviously know the rapist should go to jail then you don't need the justice system anymore and then people start making their own decisions and then you don't need the justice system at all and yeah. then you know it just goes into interesting public executions yeah this is a, this, this is, is so interesting this is a brilliant perspective that you need the guilty party to get the best defense possible regardless of their guilt for the punishment for the verdict to have any meaning because if the person if the accused don't doesn't get a defense then your verdict is irrelevant then you're just going and punishing people that you think are guilty anyway you know this 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 made me realize something man so i don't know if you've heard about popular lawyers in india but there are names that you'll identify right i don't remember their names but there are names of lawyers that you like they are they are lawyers who fought for the bad person a lot of times let's say kasam yeah like kasam there has to be a yeah, lawyer yeah. that fought for him but there are lawyers who you know you know you know you know like the public knows that oh this guy has fought for the bad guy a couple of times so there's like this perception is he just doing it for money but then with this understanding those are the heroes because the lawyers who are only taking the good fight are actually they're making judgments they're like making they, judgments and they go in, yeah. and they're not doing their duty yeah so for a lawyer to for a lawyer to take a case that he knows he's going to lose is a good thing so judging lawyers by how many cases you won is a bad metric to judge lawyers True. life is more complicated than that i think wait we we watched a movie that had some i don't know if i watched it with you or someone else but in a movie where there's a court case in which there's like a person accused of rape and at the end of the movie they find out that he hadn't committed the rape but he had manipulated the woman or something along those lines Yeah okay but he gets convicted and the last scene in the movie is both the opposing lawyers meeting each other at a party and now the person who defended the woman who got this man killed even though he didn't commit rape she now knows that he was innocent and he got whatever the punishment she comes and says to the person who was trying to defend the quote unquote rapist and says that justice wasn't served in court and he says we are not in the game of justice we are in the game of law and the law was served that's it and yeah, this only tells you again right we are incapable of handling justice yeah because dude think the about it the closest we can come is law exactly. and hope that laws yeah. are shaped in a way that facilitate justice remember how you were talking about sometimes we take things for granted like the compass yeah we know the compass like we know Shout out to yeah we know how we know compasses how they work yeah. and we just take them for granted like think about it the justice system is dealing with justice 
five questions deep and you will be questioning life yeah. if i you know ask you questions about justice like what is justice like that's not an easy question and there's a system that has that is trying to solve that question and it's barely doing its job well enough that you know the only disagreements are between capital punishment or not yeah i guess when your arguments are on the edge of just our understanding if the only, if some of the bad things are at the edge of our understanding then i guess the system on the whole is doing a pretty good job yeah yeah if you think about it as a game if you don't give it the intensity that it deserves justice then you start making opinions about oh you know i have a very strong opinion on capital punishment they should exist or they should not eric weinstein said this sorry to go back to him but this is not the language i speak i speak the language of nuance i love that <laughs> Yeah but you will only make those hardcore strong decisions if you don't if you look at it as a game you you don't look at it as justice if you look at it like that then these answers don't have definitive answers yeah should gasab get capital punishment and another way of thinking of what the justice system is supposed to do is there is this idea in the world of a morality which itself is extremely ambiguous we don't really pin down what morality is and what is moral or not and they are supposed to base an entire system they have to make morality real they have to put it on paper in ways that are actionable and consistent across the system systemic yeah. process yeah. yeah they have to give form to something that is so ephemeral and that keeps on changing which is which is incredible that we've come so far to be able to do it we've gone from he stole something from me the answer to that is you go and you get his sister sorry that was a rule yeah that was a rule yeah what harambas or whoever the founder hammurabi. of hammurabi hammurabi that was we've, the first codified set of laws we've gone from that to yes you go to jail man chill to jail sure i'm not taking your sister that is progress yeah. massive progress the idea of revenge think about it if hammurabi or whoever that guy was we are thinking about it as progress only because we've taken it for granted that the key aspect of revenge is okay you did something i'll do something back to you mm-hmm. right and that is where if you take that far enough capital punishment being a acceptable thing is based off of that yeah that revenge is okay hmm. yes but i feel like actions have to have consequences right yeah yeah but i feel like the 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 the, the feeling of revenge is Mm. is dirty sure and that is what is intrinsic in the entire justice system when you right whatever Think when you're that. punishing people so tell me if you're bored of this topic but someone has to, you're you have to decide if they get capital punishment or not yeah 
that decision being made on these are the laws da 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 he gets capital punishment or he does not get capital punishment that is one way of going about it but we being humans we are going to be like i hate him so i want him to get capital punishment mm. that is a different thing so me being on the other side right me wanting someone to get capital punishment that's rooted in a dirty feeling that is revenge true it is not as subjective no object, objective objective as, as laws, laws. Okay. it was truly based on laws maybe it would have been a little less dirty but because we know it is based on revenge the fact that he did something to who i he did something to someone i care about so i want to do something back to him that is a dirty feeling not a good feeling so this was fun <laughs> fun we started off at universities and playgrounds that ended with death and justice but thank you so much for joining us guys we'll see you next time tera fun is a intellectual